Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today we are discussing Color Rush Episode 2, the South Korean BL drama series. This is a series I am really going to be interested in seeing how it plays out. I could see it going really kind of bad are being really totally cool. So it's one of those that is one of those on the cusp. You don't know which way it's going to go. Episode 2 basically opens with the mono who can only see gray completely freaking out. He goes back home after having met his probe and he doesn't like the fact that he liked seeing color. It really freaks him out because he knows what monos are capable of doing to their probes if they turn evil. Um, in the storyline, monos tend to sometimes kidnap pros, sometimes turn cannibalistic with their probes. I mean, it can just go totally downhill. Um, but the fact is, is he doesn't realize that it doesn't have to go that way. He doesn't realize that, you know, things don't always have to turn out the worst of the worst. But he's totally freaked out. He thinks about asking his aunt to send him to a different school, but then he decides not to do that. And he goes and looks at a picture of his mom, who his mom married a probe. And we don't know what happened to his dad. We just know his dad is not there anymore. Um, I do not think his dad was hurt by his mom as a probe. I don't think it was that kind of thing. I think he just passed away because his mom ended up um, disappearing after that fact. And she would have gotten in trouble with the police, if nothing else, for different things. But if she had hurt his dad... His dad was a painter, and she he drew a he did a picture of his mom wearing a yellow headband, a blue, a little yellow headband, a blue dress, and some brown shoes sitting beside her. And he goes up to that picture, and he goes, "My mom, when she met my dad, ended up seeing color for the first time." And she said that she really liked being able to see color because. It was the first time she would have realized, you know, the blue of her dress, the brown of her shoes that would have made her um, more beautiful to his dad. And he looks at that picture and he's just thinking about what colors can mean to different people. He then goes back to school and there's those two weird kids who... They're at the beginning of this episode, and I'm really not even going to a digression there because it's just, it's a weird slapstick thing, which Anna just does not get, and I'm never going to get, and, you know, I don't think I'm alone as a Western viewer in maybe not getting that kind of slapstick humor. It's, it's something that's kind of in Asian dramas that are B-rated, and I just don't understand that, and I don't think it's, a, maybe it is a cultural thing. I don't know. But anyway, he goes back to school. He's got the two classmates that are just kind of silly kids. And then the K-pop trainee comes in. And I do have to say, I love how the trainee approaches this whole situation. Um, the K-pop trainee knows about probes. He knows about monos. He knows that there's only one probe for every mono. And he knows that for some reason, fate decided to drop the mono who he is the probe for into his life. And he's not really scared about that, although the mono is totally freaked out about the situation, totally freaked out about everything that could go wrong. The probe is not worried about it. He's not concerned. He's not stressed out about it. Instead, he actually comes to school, sets down, and he hands the kid. He went to the art store to buy a set of color pages 
there are like um, samples of different colors, like different greens, different yellows, different blues, all in one bundle, like you were looking for paint chips. And he said, this is for your first lesson, because I realized yesterday after you passed out that we needed to have a training lesson because you can't take in colors. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. So you need to gradually see color. And so he kind of sits there and shows him the color reel and all the different colors on it, which is looks like a big different variations of gray to this kid because he can only see gray. And then the kid gets really kind of agitated and the probe leaves the color reel there, leaves the color samples there, and then just leaves the kid be. Well, the kid then, when he realizes that that kid is not there right then, he then goes and looks at the colors and he looks at how the different grays are, you know, all there, but it's really different colors. And then he's talking to himself and he goes, I can't tell the difference. And the probe comes up and he says, here, let me show you. And he very quietly, very carefully kind of encircles the other kid. So he's kind of in this weird kind of hug from the back. And he holds him as he kind of shows him the colors so that he's not quite so freaked out about it. He's still super uber uncomfortable, but he helps him to realize it's okay. You can be calm. You can look at the colors. It's not going to be this huge thing you need to be worried about. And so he basically does that. And then when the kid calms down about things, the other kid pulls off his mask, which then allows him to become a probe and the mono to be able to see color. At that point, the kid literally is just overwhelmed by all the data that he's receiving because of the color, and he passes out in his chair. So it was a good thing that the kid was there with his arms wrapped, because otherwise he would have ended up on the floor again. And so the probe then takes the mono to the basically nurse's area for the school and gets him set down and, you know, calmed down and woken back up. And then he shows him the color wheel. And the kid is absolutely, the mono is absolutely fascinated by the fact that there are so many colors on the wheel. He's absolutely amazed that there are that many colors. And he just sits there in absolute awe. And then the colors start to recede. And he goes, I, I want you to take your mask off so I can see it again. And the probe says, no, no, we're not doing this right now. You're going to just take a break and I will take my mask off, but not right now. And basically the probe is training the mono so that the mono doesn't end up having those bad tendencies, which I think is kind of an interesting um, fact. This kind of reminds me in a really weird way of Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. It's not the same, but it has many of the similar undertones. It has the choices between being a good person, being a bad person, um, realizing that there is darkness, but that there is also light. And how are we going to handle that? What are we going to balance in the force, as it were? I think that's one of the reasons that I really do like this. It, it just is a really interesting um, BL series from South Korea. I am not really into South Korean BLs because I find them to be really stupid and really hokey and the relationships to be rather skin deep. I don't mean it bad. And this is one that I'm like, you know, this is kind of an interesting one. It's about 
you know, finding the person who helps you see the world in a way that you normally wouldn't see it. And how are you going to do with that person? Are you going to treat that person well? Are you going to treat that person poorly? And also, how is that person going to react with you? Because the probe knows what can happen to a probe. The probe is fully aware of the bad things that can happen to a probe by a mono. And, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting in this one is, you know, the mono is totally freaked out during this whole thing because he's like, number one, probes are typically like when his mom met his dad. So they became a couple. And now he's like, you know, I've never liked guys. I'm not sure what this means. And, you know, there's really only one probe for each mono. So what is up with this? What am I supposed to do with this information? And I don't want to hurt another human being because I'm a mono and they happen to be my probe. And he's actually watching the show about, um, what is it? Praying mantises that eat each other, which actually that has been proven to not be entirely true. And I'm really sick of that being used as an example in films of, you know, dog-eat-dog -dog world and romantic relationships because quite frankly it's not true. I mean I'm not saying it doesn't happen in the animal kingdom but really do we need to go there especially when it is not the truth for that whole species? I mean not all praying mantises eat their respective um, partners. So anyway I digress here but on is just having a little problem with that. It seems like an old third reel to be rolling through stories when we get to difficult situations and I think I've seen that in American film. I've now seen it Korean film. And I've just seen it way too much. So I'm going, can we please use another example other than the praying mantis? Because that really sucks, Brick. And then we have the whole gender war that could be infused into this. That why are we making the female of a species look bad? I mean, I don't mean it bad. But again, Alice just got to retract the clause here. But really, the praying mantis example is so old hat. It's just pathetic. So anyway, I did like this series so far. Um, I probably wouldn't watch episode two with a small kid just because I wouldn't want to have to discuss cannibalism as a topic until that kid's probably about eight, ten years old. And then we'd probably have to cover that. But, you know, until then, I probably wouldn't watch this with the kiddies just because I wouldn't want to have to describe what that word meant. And so, you know, there you go. That's just honor for you. Some people would have... A, reason to discuss that with that kid's way before then. But for me, I probably wouldn't be discussing it with someone who was less than eight years old. And I'd probably wait until they're 10, unless they happen to be reading books about Papua New Guinea and the tribes there. And then I probably would be discussing that before then. So there you go. And that's Anna with her opinion on it. And of course, I know that cannibalism is not relegated to just Papua New Guinea, but it did seem to be rather prolific there. And so that is my review of Color Rush, um, episode two. I'm really looking forward to episode three. This is supposed to be coming out on Vicky Rukaton in four days, which probably means I'll be able to watch it on YouTube in three days, and that's going to be totally cool. The second episode, I believe, just came out today, and maybe it was the third episode. I'm still unclear on that. If it is, then I will watch it on YouTube as soon as it has English subtitles. And then um, leave a review here. I am also getting ready to leave some reviews on Wish You, the other new um, South Korean BL series, which also looks super good. Um, again, um, both Wish You and um, Color Rush are rated R on Vicky Rukaton. So far, I have seen nothing that garnishes the rating of R on Color Rush. And I can definitely say, after watching most of the clips from Wish You, that there is nothing in that series that garnishes anything but a PG rating. But for some reason, Vicky 
is just having a problem with um, homophobia and they've decided to rate all their BL dramas are whether they deserve it or not and Anna's having a big problem with that you can check out my podcast on the two podcasts from this previous about why I think that's wrong and why I will always think that homophobia is wrong and we should not be you know rating something R just because it's a same-sex couple rather than a guy and a girl and that is my review of Color Rush episode two check it at the round table bye